Hello, everybody. How is everyone? Oh, y'all are scared of me. Y'all are way back, seems like everybody, this morning. Okay. You know, these chairs, just for your information, these chairs up here are the exact same chairs we have in the back. So if y'all want to try these out sometime, just be a little closer. Um, is the mic too loud? Do we need to turn it down? Is that the problem or something? Y'all just want to be? Okay, so anyway, glad that you're here. A lot of, a lot of exciting things happened this week. A lot of, uh, as, as Trace was telling you, a lot of great praise reports and uh, happening because of the result of prayer. I believe prayer works. Anybody else? Amen. I mean, it's, it's, it's the only thing that can work because it's our communication with God where we tell him what we need and where he tells us back how we can get it and all that. So uh, let's keep the prayers going up. So glad that you're here. We've been cleaning out a whole lot of junk. A lot of, th- a lot of good things are happening there. Sad thing is we, we just get so embarrassed about the junk in our life that we don't really like to testify about getting that out, do we? You know, it's hard to testify about getting delivered from a pornography addiction. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, hard to testify about something like that. And, and it's hard for us to testify about these things and admit that, that we've all got trunks full of junk that we've, uh, either we've put in there or somebody else has put into our life all this crud and stuff. And, and uh, it's, it's hard for us to admit that, that I had to de-junk my trunk, that I had stuff like that in my trunk. But that's the kind of thing that encourages someone else. You know, and if you've got that kind of junk, you've been dealing with and getting rid of, you need to let somebody know. And a lot of good things are happening, and I'm hoping we get some of those testimonies. I hope some people get over just that little bit of embarrassment and say, look, let me go ahead and, and just tell somebody about some of the good stuff. So this morning we're going to talk about relationships junk. And it's not just what you think. Uh, you know, I, I hope none of you have already checked out on me, you know, and you're already thinking about you're going to take a nap with your eyes open there and look like you're just listening because you think I'm just talking about sweetheart type of stuff. That's part of it, but... That's not the only relationship you've got in life, is it? I mean, is the relationship, you know, the, maybe it's the most important. If you're married, you know, maybe it's the most important. But that's not the only relationship. You've got all kinds of relationships. And if those relationships aren't, aren't uh, healthy, if those relationships have, uh, you know, not just, uh, I hesitate to use the word sick relationships because I don't mean sick as in, as in really vile and evil, but I mean just sick, you know, ailing you know, just need some healing or need some nourishment or some strengthening in some way. If you've got relationships like that in your life, you know what? Those are standing in the way of you being whole and healthy as a Christian and, and in your spirit, in spirit life. You know, they, like uh, these uh, couples that were just talking about how getting this financial junk out of their way was enabling them to minister to one another. Or as uh, I think it was the uh, preview video for Financial Peace last week that talked about how, you know, if, if Christians could, you know, just get free from all that stuff, you know, what all they could do for God as well. It's the same thing with all our junk. The culture junk we talked about last week and the relationship junk we're going to talk about this morning. It's the same way with all of that. So let's have a word of prayer and we're going to jump into some scripture. And uh, actually scripture that uh, we, uh, we're going to use last week. And so I'll share that with you this morning. Okay, so let's have a word of prayer and let's, uh, let's, let, let, let's, let's just take the wall down for the next 45 minutes. And let's just let God just get into our trunks. And let's go ahead and be open and honest and say, God... Help me too, okay? Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you, God. I thank you, God, for what I've seen happening, Lord, with uh, this family and this family, God, these families, Lord, and and, and individuals, Lord, how they're de-junking their trunk, God, and clearing that out. And I just pray, God, you do it again. Lord, there's some some relationships that are struggling in our church, Lord. There are some people that are struggling with some past stuff because of relationship issues, Lord. uh, There's some families that are struggling because of uh, some, some stuff that's been put there from somebody else totally outside of their family. God, I just pray. 
that you help us, Lord. Help us pull down the walls. Help us, Lord, not uh, hide behind a facade, a mask, and, and act like everything's okay and, and uh, as if we've never had any problems, that nobody's ever created any for us and we've never created any for ourselves. God, help us be real with you and help us be real with ourselves today. And God, uh, allow you to do a great work of healing and strengthening, God, so that we can, we can God, uh, fulfill every thing that you have for us, God, and we can begin living the dream that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. Now, I skipped this, these verses last week by accident, and uh, Mike threw them back up there for me, and I just just already too far gone to get back. So we're actually coming back to these because uh, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we're, use, we're using this last week because it really talks about our culture. And we were talking about culture junk last week. And, and uh, Paul writes to Timothy, Know this also, that in the last days grievous or perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, haughty, railers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Doesn't that sound like today's culture? Sounds like it. Without natural affection, implacable, slanderers, without self-control, fierce, no lovers of good, traitors, headstrong, puffed up, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, but having denied the power thereof, from these also turn away. I mean, that sounds like our culture, doesn't it? I mean, all these things probably has never been a, a culture. Well, maybe there has. I mean, I, I read some, some historical uh, books, you know, some, some stories of, of uh, you know, centuries ago and how, how people treated one another. But I don't think there's ever been a culture quite like ours that we are really like this on the inside when on the outside we really clean it up and dress it up. And try to make it look really good. And this is, this is a picture of our culture. But then why are we bringing ourselves back to it today? Because this is also a picture of what's happening in our homes. And in our, our marriages. In our relationships. In, in, our, uh, in our business relationships as well. This, this is a picture also. These things have also crept into all of our relationships. And that's what I want to share with you about. Just right from these, uh, really the three verses there in the middle there, verse 2, 3, and 4, there are a lot of things that are mentioned. We're going to back up and just go through a bunch of those today and talk about how, how these are the things that, that, yeah, and it's because a lot of it is because of culture that our culture uh, has and we've allowed to come inside of our relationships. So let's just get to it. Mike, Mike just give me our first word here. It's a, a lover of self. And that just means being selfish. Anybody, anybody ever been selfish before? You know? Anybody like, anybody like golf? Now, I like golf. I don't play. I, I, I own clubs and I go out and chase and lose balls, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever played golf. Uh, and, uh, uh, Trace and Chase can really, uh, they can amen that. They don't know. I, I, I can look good holding a club for a minute, you know, and look like I really know what I'm doing, but. But you know, what love, lovers of self just means, it just means being selfish. And, uh, I, you know, we just threw this into the trunk this morning because I just wanted to talk about some of those things that we do that are just for ourselves. And it's not that, it's not that, uh, golf is bad. It's not that whatever your hobby is is bad. You, how many of you got a hobby of some kind? Something you like to do? Anybody got a hobby? What do the rest of you do for you, with your downtime? I mean, maybe you don't have any, right? You know what? I think back to my grand, grandparents. I think back to my granddad. You know what? I don't, I don't remember my granddad having, either one of my granddads having a hobby. You know, now my mom's dad, he, he died still, when he died, he was still working. So it's like, I never even really saw him in retirement, you know? 
And, and you know, and I, and I look at his life and I think, man, he, he lived such a hard life and it was all about go, go, go and work, work, work. I mean, he, I mean, he said about me when I was a kid, he said, he, he told me that I better get a good education cause he said I was too lazy. I wouldn't hit a lick at a snake. You know, and I mean, that, that was some of the things he, because, you know, I guess two, two different generations, you know, and, and just, you know, Hey, this is all about me. And you know what, you know what happened to, to my generation? That it was all about me and we didn't know how to work hard. We grew up. In some ways, we grew up on the outside, but in some ways we didn't grow up on the inside. And some of us are still walking around at 40, 50 and 60 years old, acting as if it's still all about us and 20 and 25 and 30 years old and acting as if like nothing else matters. And that's a big problem in relationships these days. Because they're lovers of themselves, they're selfish, and, and these things like this get in our way. And, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, you, you know, you've got to have time just for yourself. Well, I agree, but what, what do we do with that time is what's so important here. And, and, and the attitude that we have with it, because what we say a lot of times is, we say, well, I've just got to have my break, because if I don't get a break, I'm going to break. And so we t- but you know what, can I, can I just give you a little truth little truthism right here, that you never take a break from responsibility. You know, but that, that's what this world thinks, and, and that's foreign to this world. This world thinks, no, you gotta have a, you gotta have a total break where nothing else matters except you just go do your thing. You can't do that. I mean, that, I mean, that's how, that's how good people end up in trouble. They take a break from the responsibilities. That's, that's what's gonna happen in a couple of months. You know what we're gonna do? You know what, you know what this entire country is going to do? Parents are going to spend money to send their 18 year old children who have lived, who have lived good, pretty good lives all this time going to send them to some beach resort somewhere and tell them there are no rules this week go do what you want to do just take a break from responsibility drink all you want to drink sleep with whoever you want to sleep with do what you want to do and nothing matters it'll all be forgotten you can come back home and just act as if that never happened before and you know what happens I mean, I don't want to play just the sympathy card here and talk about Natalie Holloway, but she's not the only child that was lost. She's the only, maybe, she's the only maybe one that was physically lost, but she's not the only child that was lost. And we lose, we lose dozens, we lose hundreds of kids in this kind of time. The Mennonites, they've got something they do similar to this where, or before you really decide as an adult you're going to, you know, be responsible and be a Mennonite, you know, you can, you go off and do your own thing for a while and they say, wait, wait a minute, you never take a break from responsibility because because if you do, you know, cops is coming looking for you. I mean, if you take a break from responsibility, you're going to find yourself doing some stupid things that you will never, ever recover from. I mean, you, you try, you try alcohol for the first time. You may be one of those immediate alcoholics. You try, you try to, I mean, we know these kinds of things, right? And you say, well, I'll never do that, Pastor Rick. Yep. We've got our hobbies that we say, I just got to have a break. And, you know, I, and when I have my break, no, you never take a break from responsibility. And when any of these kinds of things like this, that it's hell or high water, I'm doing my thing. Well, you know, you just got to, you just got to deal with what you've got to deal with today, but, but I'm going to take care of my, I'm going to take care of my thing because this is my thing. And it's not just about, like I said, it's not about this and it's not, it doesn't even have to be about hobbies, but it's whenever you begin to take a break from your response, you cannot take a break from your responsibility to your spouse, to your kids, to your parents. To your business partners, to anybody that you have a relationship with, you never take a break from the responsibilities you have as a person, as a human being, and as a Christian to those people. You never take that break. And secondly, then lovers of money. Lovers of money. Greedy and covetous. Lovers of money. 
And I think about, you know, this picture, and we, we ha- actually had this around uh, Wednesday night, and I showed it to just a few people. And, and what do you, when you see this picture, I mean, what do you immediately think of? I mean, I mean just think of just let your mind wander for just a moment. Oh, oh divorce or death, right? I mean, that's what you immediately think of. You think, dad died, or there was a divorce, or, or he, he's, he's gone off with some other woman somewhere. But, you know, here's the thing, is it doesn't really matter why you're missing if you're missing to, to this, to this littlest child here, these two little, it doesn't matter why dad's gone. It doesn't matter if dad has, has had an affair and he's run off with another woman. It doesn't matter if dad has perished, if he's died in a car accident unexpectedly and they didn't get to say goodbye. It does. And it doesn't matter if dad's constantly working late or working out of town and never has time for them. It doesn't matter why dad is gone. The fact is that dad is gone. I mean, it, you know, and, and if, if you're running around doing all the stuff so you can have some money or, they, you know, that, that's to these little kids, it's just as bad to be gone for that reason as it is to be gone because you've had an affair. Now, I'm not saying that, that you're going to go to hell for working overtime. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about in this relationship right here. These kids, they don't, they don't measure things in those ways. The balance isn't there to where they say, well, at least he's out there working for me. They don't care about that. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if, if you miss the ball game because, you know, uh, because you're playing your own ball game, you don't have time to go to your own kid's game. Or if you miss the ball game because, uh, because, uh, you know, somebody delayed you and you had a late meeting or you had to work late. It doesn't matter if you miss the ball game because you had a flat and something totally, uh, it has nothing to do with, uh, anything that you try to do. It's just one of those things that just happened, uh, a car wreck that keeps you from being there, a, ta- a traffic type. It doesn't matter to that kid. That kid doesn't care why you've missed. The kid just knows that you've missed. And there's, there's a hole in the relationship because you're gone, because you're not there. And, and I, you know, and I, I could really jump on us about, uh, about this, but, but let's just make sure we're, 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 we're measuring it as well in the same way and understanding that, that in our relationships, you know what people need? You know what people need? People need you. In your relationship, that's the important thing. It's not, it's not the money and it's not the, it's not the, uh, you know, how funny you are. They just need you. You know, they, it's not that, well, I've got to have this and we got to have the best clothes. We got to, it's not that. And it's the you. They, they want you in the relationship. It's got to be you that is there and just spend some time. Because if you don't, it's not going to matter 20 years from now. Your kids aren't going to say, well, my dad, the only reason, I I love my dad because the only reason he ever missed was because he was always working overtime. Because he was always doing more for me and more for me. No, those kids could be just as messed up as the kids who lost their dad in a car accident and never had their kids. You see, it's it's not about the why. It's just about the being there. And then disobedient. The parents. That word disobedient there means it's not just not doing what they said. It means, that word there means stubbornly, willfully being disobedient. And, uh, man, you, you can go online, you can find, you can find all kinds of juvenile records. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times you'll find them where they're, you know, stuff's blacked out. Man, you can find some stuff on there. There's, there's about, you know, and, and, and not, you know, you don't have to go this far with it, but, I can tell you this, you know, for those of you, and, and, and not, just, not just those of you who are still living at home, not just those of you who are still uh, on your mom and dad's payroll, you know, because they're still paying the bills, not just those of you, 
But all of us, we're all responsible to our parents. You know, and my mom and dad don't tell me as often things to do. Uh, and they probably they don't really don't tell me a whole lot of things to do anymore at all. But still, I have a responsibility to my parents to honor and respect them. And Ephesians chapter 6, you know what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us? It, it reminds us that God didn't just bring us into this world. He can take us out. You ever heard that right? Or you ever said that to your kids? I didn't just bring you into this world, but I can take... Well, you know, the ultimate person who can do that is God. He didn't just bring us into this world, but he can take us out. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 reminds us of that because it reminds us of the, of, the, of the Ten Commandments and what God said. And about that commandment, he said, this is the first of the commandments that actually has a promise with it. The rest of them, you just got to follow. But he said, this one has a promise with it because he says, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long upon this earth. So listen, kids, you know, you're 14 years old, you're 12 years old, you're 17 years old, you're 40 years old, or whatever. You don't think of it. How long do you want to live? You want to live a long time or you want to just live to your 20 and then, you know, I'll be okay, I'll have long enough life. How long do you want to live? Well, this is the first commandment with promise. God says, don't be disobedient to your parents, but obey them because it's the first commandment. But, so let's deal with a, a few little issues there. Uh, because of the unthankfulness and the ungratefulness. Man, such a, an unthankful and ungrateful society and culture that we live in, yet it's in our homes as well. It, it's in our homes where, where I mean, we, we, it, it, there's an expectation, isn't there? I mean, we, we expect mom to get up and, and, and cook this meal and do this and take care of this and pay this. And don't, I mean, we have an expectation. You know, and I think about some of those old old sitcoms, you know, that you see, you know, uh, the, the guy works all day and the, the, the wife, you know, she's a, the homemaker and he comes home. What does he do? He comes home and he plops down in a chair, you know, Archie Bunker style and yells for a beer, right? You know, and, and how far-fetched is that from the rest of us in our relationships that we have with people? We have expectations that, wait a minute, this is what I do and this is what you're supposed to do. And what happens with those expectations, we become uh, unthankful or we become ungrateful in our relationships. And when we don't appreciate what somebody else does for us, we're unthankful, we're ungrateful. When we begin taking it for granted, when we are, you know, when we begin to get disappointed that something isn't done, that really doesn't have to be done, but they've always done it, that we've become ungrateful, we've begun, begin to take it for granted. And in our relationships with our kids, especially parents, this is something I wanted to share with you right here. This, this ugly attitude that is around, this, this uh, expectation that is here, this uh, entitlement that we are breeding in our kids, it's destroying our children. We've got them believing that, that they are entitled to certain things in this way. You know, they're, they're entitled to receive certain things that, that, that everybody ought to stop and do exactly what they want to do. I mean, you know, you know, when you go, to, come on, somebody, you know, you go to Chuck E. Cheese and you know, you're, you know, you're trying to get your kid into something, but there's this one mom that thinks the whole world ought to shut down so their kid can ride that one ride. You know what I'm talking about? And you know what we're doing? We're training, we're training them to be entitled, to grow up thinking that everybody's supposed to do everything just for me. Everybody's supposed to stop and let me do my thing. And so we've got 30, 40, 50, and 60 year old kids. <laughs> That think that the whole world stops and does what I want to do. And it's a, it's a sense of entitlement of this. And so, and then also, let me, let me hurry on right here. My next one is being headstrong and rash. Being, that's what headstrong means. Being, sometimes being rash, that are just headstrong, gonna do it. And it doesn't matter why. That I don't stop to think for just a moment and say, wait a minute, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? That I, you know, I know what needs to be done and I'm gonna, I'm gonna demand that it be done right now, right now, right here. This is it. This is the, and, and rash and rash decisions. 
And the Word of God reminds us in Ephesians chapter, there's a lot of good stuff there about families in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And the Word of God reminds us right there about that. And I want to say this for parents, okay? Now, you, you ladies, I'm going to throw you into this as well, okay, here for just a minute. And I know some, it's like, well, but that was just for the men. Well, you know, when, when God says things about men, mankind, humans, and, and, and uses the male, he's talking about all of us. And I know this is a specific one for the men, but I got to, but it's like today's culture and society, the way we run our families, I got to, I got to take the women into this as well. And you moms, I got to tell, I got to talk to you as well. So we're just going to say parents, you know, if you've got kids that are full of wrath or anger, if you got if you got kids that are, are unruly, and then it's time for a checkup. And I'm not talking about a checkup on them. It's time for a personal checkup. Because the Word of God there says that, that we should not provoke our children to wrath. And if our children are constantly acting out in wrath, then we need to stop and say, wait a minute, what's going on with me? And, and, and it's not necessarily that you are the cause of it because, hey, there's a whole lot of culture that's impacting them as well. And I'm not saying that if you've got a child that is angry or, or, or wrathful or is, you know, just reaching out to kill everybody around them, you know, and just messing up everybody, that, that you're the problem, mom or dad. But the checkup needs to be this, is that, is that maybe you're not the problem, but what are you doing to be the solution of that? Yeah, that's, that's your place in this, that when the kid begins to be unruly or, or full of wrath or, or, or lashing out in some way, that you're the mom, you're the dad, you're supposed to step in and say, okay, what is it that I'm supposed to do here now to start provoking my child away from wrath, provoking them to goodness, provoking them to, to, to uh, uh, treating others as they should treat them? Because if you don't, let me tell you what you're raising. You're raising a kid that nobody will ever be able to live with. You're raising a kid that's... You're raising a kid that's going to be some of these things we're going to talk about in just a moment, fear, fierce. You're raising a kid that nobody's going to, and I don't mean just a, a, a spouse is not going to be able to live with him. Nobody's going to want to be around them in high school. Nobody's going to want to hang out with them on Friday and Saturday night and go to the movies and those kinds of things. That's the kind of kids you're raising. And so if you've got kids that are full of wrath or anger, there needs to be a checkup. Say, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing as a parent to straighten this out? Let's go on. Without natural affection. Oh, where's my picture? I got a picture here. Without natural affection. Now, I, this astorgos or storge, uh, according to which form of the word you're using, it means hard-headed. That's the, that's the Greek word, but it means hard-hearted towards your kindred. Now, without natural affection, um, I know that there's one context it appears that is being used there, and especially over in the book of Romans, and it appears that it's being used there, and some people say that that's talking about homosexuality. It's, it's talking about you know, not having natural affection, man to woman, and back and forth. But this, this Greek word right here, estorgios, is, is actually means hard-hearted towards your kindred. It means not having the natural affection that we're supposed to have in our families. And in our society today, I mean, there, I mean, is there any more natural affection than the, than the affection that a woman has for her child? Is there any more natural affection than, than that that, that, a, that a mom has for that, for that child that is just born? And you see these pictures and you start putting faces and you start putting fingers and you start putting toes on this, this thing that's growing inside of your belly. And I mean, there's a, there's a natural affection. And, you know, Kristen, is like many of you probably, Kristen had a miscarriage before Brooklyn was born when she was, uh, when she was pregnant a, a year or so earlier, and she had a miscarriage. 
And, and this baby is named. And, and, you know, and I've tried to be a good dad. I've tried to, you know, just, just hang in there with her and say, yes, yes. That, that, we lost that baby, but that baby's with God. You know, but there's nobody that's believing that like Kristen is believing that. There's nobody that has that connection like Kristen has that connection. That this was already my child. I mean, me and you, we didn't, we didn't see it. Uh, we didn't feel it. We, we didn't experience it. But, but Kristen, she, she felt it. It was in her belly. I mean, it was growing and she knew this and, and there was already this connection. And, and you know, you and I'd be easy for us to forget him, you know, and forget his name and forget all of this, but, but, but not for her because he was already there and there's no more natural affection than that affection yet we're murdering these and I, I mean is there any even though this could mean a lot of things without natural affection to the ones in our family is there anything that this would point to more so than the lack of natural affection that we we have today for unborn children but but here here's the question is what affections is it that you're losing i mean there, there's there's the real question I'm a, I'm a man, you know, I, I, I would never deal with this kind of affection, but there are other affections that I'm supposed to have naturally. What affections are you losing? You know, when you see, and honestly, listen, when, when, when we were looking through some of these pictures and looking for things like this, and I Googled it, and a lot of the pictures came up, you know, of fetuses, there were a lot of pictures of aborted fetuses. And, you know, let me tell you something, I couldn't look at them. I, I could not look at them. You know, it's like, I didn't even want to see that. You know, I'd, I'd, you know, just just go on to the next page and look and just, you know, just divert my eyes trying to find one that looked good and still was whole and still was alive. And I wanted to look at something like that and I couldn't, you know, and, and we need to check up on ourselves and say, wait a minute, do, do I still have that kind of affection that makes my heart, I mean, you know, I wonder in this society anymore here in the United States of America, do, do, do we even have the ability to blush, to cry, to, to worry over children and that go to bed without a meal at night, that, that sit waiting for a school bus without a proper coat when it's 25 degrees outside? Do we, do we have the ability to... What, is, what affections... Boy, it's quiet, isn't it? And so we can come down on the mom that aborts her baby, but what affections have we Christians, have me and you, have, what affections have I lost? Not able to maintain as well. Let's go on. Fierce, which means savage. Savage. And, and slanderers. And I wanted to show you this. This word for slanderers here is diabolos. And does that sound familiar to anybody? You know what, what else comes from that word diabolos? Our word devil. And if you're a Spanish, uh, a Spanish student in school, you, you would have recognized it as well. Diabolos. And it means slanderer. It means one who, 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 uh, who uh, twists and says things and lies, in which we know that, as Jesus said, he was a liar from the beginning. It's slander, diabolos. And it goes on beyond there. But, I mean, you know, we, we, we can see these kinds of pictures, you know, of the abuse that's happening in, in marriages. But it goes beyond just this physical abuse, doesn't it? I mean, it's not, I, I mean, we can point our fingers here at, at these men that beat up their wives, you know, and the, the, the police is taking the picture. We can point our men at them and, and say how bad and evil that is and how tr- terrible that is because they truly were savage. But it goes beyond that because it's not just the, the hitting with a fist. But in the slanders, that's Diablos, it means to shame, to violate. It means to betray. And whenever we do that in any of our relationships, we've done the exact same thing as one of these men. Well, maybe you didn't inflict as much physical pain, but you inflicted just as much emotional pain. 
And some of you, you, you may have never been hit by another person like this or abused by another person like this, but you've been abused on the inside. People that have slandered you and have violated you. They took, they took, your, they, they took your trust and they took your time and they took your, your love and they took your, your desires to, to, to have relationship with them and they violated it. They abused it. They used it in a way that was, that was selfish and something that only they could get out of it. And then they threw you to the pavement and cast you aside and left you to your own, to your own way. Only wimps are afraid of being seen as tenderhearted. You know, a man, a real man, let's say it this way, a real man does not have to prove he's a man. You know, I mean, a, man, a real man doesn't have to prove that. A real man doesn't have to use his fist on his wife to prove that he's a man. Amen? You got that? Okay. So only wimps are afraid of being seen as tenderhearted which is the antithesis of these two things. It's the opposite of being fierce and a slander, a diablos, a devil. Uh, that's, that's, what, that's what being tenderhearted is the opposite of that. Uh, but a, a real man can be tenderhearted. But let's take that beyond just the male and female relationship and look in every one of your relationships that you've got, no matter who it is you're in connection with and relationship with. If they don't have a tender heart, they're going to hurt you down the road. If it's your best friend in school, or if it's your sweetheart or whatever it is, if they don't have the tender heart, they're going to hurt you. And some of you have already been hurt. We've got to hurry on implacable or aspondos, which is, which is a truce breaker. And I, you know, I, don't, I, don't have time to, I don't have time to dig out our trunk today. I'm going to have to hurry up and do this. But truce breakers. Yeah, this, this is a promise right here. You know, and, and there, there's, there's some kind of attitude that we've got that, you know, it, it's, it's wrong to tell a lie, right? But it's okay to break a promise. Hmm. Think about that. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong to tell a lie, but we can, we can write all kinds of sweetheart promises and break those. It's wrong to tell a lie, but it's, it's, it's all right, you know, to, uh, it's all right to make all kinds of plans for the future and then just cast them aside. Well, you know what? You're really not the girl for me. It's wrong to, it's wrong to tell a lie and, but it's okay to break a promise. Even, even those covenants that we make that come with, you know, you, you know what you do when you make a covenant or you make a treaty, right? You bring the gifts, the fruits of the treaty, right? I mean, you, 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 you present gifts to one another. I mean, that's what, that's what they do in international treaties. I mean, they present gifts to one another sometimes, and, and these are signs of the treaty. It's okay to tell a lie, but it's, or it's, not, it's wrong to tell a lie, but it's okay to break a covenant, to break a treaty. It's, it's okay, to, it's okay to, to, to break a heart. As long as you don't tell a lie. But Revelations tells us that all liars will have a place in eternity. You mean if I broke up with a girl? I'm, that, that's, look, that's not what I'm saying. But you know, to have, to have such a flippant attitude about the relationships that we have. There was a book that was real popular when my kids were teenagers. A man wrote called, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Because dating is this, it's this kind of stuff and it's in and out. It's like making promises. Oh, I love you. I love you more than anything in this whole world. And then tomorrow, you know, pfft, I love somebody else now. And the problem is that is that's a breeding ground for the exact same thing happening in their marriages. And we wonder why in the world people are wanting to bounce in and out of marriages. Well, the reason is because they were bouncing in and out of bed before that. And the reason for that is they were bouncing in and out of the sweetheart relationships all through high school. 
I mean, we need to, we need to start taking responsibility for the stuff we say and don't, and stop telling someone you love them if you don't truly love them. You know, because we're, we're injuring people, we're destroying people, we're damaging people. Somebody tells you they love you and they tell it, you know, because you know, when they tell you they love you and they tell you too quick, maybe I need to look over here at some of you unmarried. But when they tell you they love you and they tell you too quick, don't you believe a word of it? They're they're doing exactly what what we've been talking about here. I got to hurry. out of whatever else I got up here, Mike. So traitors, which is the same kind of thing, one that betrays without self-control. Listen, if you don't have self-control, that is a defining characteristic of immaturity. When somebody, you know, when somebody uh, has to do something, you know, when, when they have to, when they cannot control themselves. And, and listen, uh, sexual infidelity, having an affair with somebody, that's not the, the only cause. And maybe today it's not even the major cause anymore of divorce. I mean, people today are getting divorced over nothing. I mean, people getting divorced today over the fact that uh, he likes to go to the beach for vacation. I like to go to the mountains, so we're going to get divorced. I mean, that's the kind of stupidity people are getting divorced over today. And so it's not, it's not as much infidelity, but, but infidelity is the only, it is the only excused reason in the word of God for divorce and remarriage. I got to say that again. The reason I got to say that again, I've said that the past six months, I don't know how many times. The reason I got to say that again is because, because it just keeps creeping in, creeping in, creeping into us. And I just want you to understand that it doesn't matter how much the world throws their marriages away. You and I, as Christians and the people who follow after the God who created marriage, we have to stand up and say, no, listen, this thing is for eternity. But the reason it isn't eternal is because, I mean, we practice all this other stuff of in and out and in and out and promising stuff that we're not going to do. Well, there's no way we can hang on to it. It's, it's not the only thing. It, it's, it's, it's not the only thing. Last, last little phrase here. We, we know how to say no to everybody in our lives except ourselves. Don't we? If I ask you to do something for me, if I ask you to take off work tomorrow and do something that I need you, you know how to say no to me, don't you? <laughs> Come on, if I ask you to go somewhere with us this afternoon because we've got a job to do and need you to wear your work clothes and get your, get your gloves, know, you know how to say no to me. You know how to say no to your boss if he comes and asks you to work overtime. You know how to say no to everybody in your life except we don't know how to say no to ourselves. And it is, and it is, that, it is that part of immaturity that you and I uh, struggle with that destroys more relationships than anything else. Is the inability to say no not to the person who expects too much, but say to ourselves. Stand with me, if you will. Let me tell you who we want to pray with this morning. I'll tell you who we're going to pray for. We want to pray for those needing grace to forgive others. Man, I, God, I, had, I knew I had so much. Man, when I was looking at all the, all the stuff that we had in the trunk today and all these words that we had to go through, I thought, man, I'm not going to get to develop this like I want to develop this today. Some of you are hurting because of this. Some of you, you aren't guilty of this you, you aren't the, the perpetrator, you're the victim. And so we want, to pray, we want to pray for some of you today because you need grace to for, forgive others. And we'll pray that you have a healing because of that. Because just the forgiveness, is not, you need to actually heal from this. You need to quit living in it. You need to quit dwelling on it. And, so, and I want to pray for those of you who have perpetrated some of this on someone else. You've not been there like you're supposed to be there for your kids or for your spouse or for your business partner or for your uh, your you know, your best friend at school or whatever, you've not been there and you need forgiveness. 
forgiveness for being uh, the in and out sweetheart and always you know, messing with people's lives. And we want to also pray for those who have relationships that are struggling. A lot of you have relationships that are really a mess. They keep you just torn up on the inside. I want to pray for you today. I want you to understand that's not God's intent. God didn't, God didn't put people in your life to mess with you. God put people in your life to complete you, to fulfill you, to help bring peace and joy into your life. And if you want prayer this morning for any of these things, I want to invite you to come. I probably could back up to number three there and say, oh, yeah, I got one more if you need a relationship restored. Probably could back up to number three there and say, all of us need that. We probably all messed somebody up somewhere down the road. We need to just make sure that's all under the blood. Then also those who need a relationship restored. You know, if, if you've been married before and you got divorced, you know, that one might not get restored. When we break things, sometimes God doesn't always put them back together. But, some, but especially if it's a, a parent and child relationship, that needs to be restored. If it's, a, if it's in a, a relationship where you were the wrong person and you did what was wrong, that needs to be restored. So I want to pray for you. So I want to ask you, if you'd like prayer this morning, would you come? Everybody come that will, please. Just come on. Everybody that will. I know there's a lot of you. I know there's a lot of you dealing with some of this stuff, but I invite everybody to come, if you will. Come help us pray for those that have some of these issues. And if you can just come, if you need to sit down on the front, front you can bow your head with me for just a moment. Come on, let's get real for just a moment. God, we've spent a lot of time, Lord, for this, Lord. Let's pray, God, help us today. Help us today, God. Help us today. We need you. We spent a lot of time right here, God, talking about all these things, making sure all these little bases were covered, Lord, not just the, the sweetheart stuff, but all these little bases with parents, God, with spouses, God, with kids, Lord. God, we spent a lot of time here today with this. Lord, I want to be real with you today. I need, I need some prayer. I need some healing. I need some forgiveness. I need to give some forgiveness. I need some grace for me, and I need you to help me have some grace for somebody else. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we pray, let me give you just a little bit of direction. First of all, here's something I want to direct. This is something that I, I didn't write down. This is something I didn't write down. I, I, I didn't even have something that I was going to ask you to fast for this week. But it was like yesterday morning, I believe God spoke this to me. He said, here's something you need to fast to help your relationships this week. And even if you say, well, I don't have any relationship problems, do this anyway. Fast something that you absolutely love in life. And then use the savings from that to bless somebody else. Now listen, if you love chocolate ice cream, don't fast chocolate ice cream and then buy a half gallon of vanilla ice cream and take it home to eat with your spouse, okay? So we're gonna, that's not what we're talking about. But some, fast something you love. And I don't just mean food either. Maybe, maybe it is a hobby. There's something you just love. But this week you can set it aside for. And that four hours you're going to spend playing golf. And that $40 you're going to spend. Well, I don't ever pay $40. Well, yeah, you, if you don't pay $40, you're probably playing at a place that charges $20 or $25. And if you're playing at a place like that, you're probably losing about another $10 or $15 worth of balls. So it's still costing you about $40 for play. But take that and take that $40 and do something with somebody else. And, and just and take that four hours that you would have spent with that and do it for somebody else that has a need. Fast something you absolutely love and spend it on something. Spend the savings, whether it's a time savings, a money savings, or even a food savings. If, it, if, it's, a, if it's something you absolutely love to eat, find somebody that's hungry and take them and buy them that meal that you absolutely love. Or save the money from going to that favorite restaurant and give it to a needy family this week. Secondly, uh, prayerfully make an attempt to reconcile. Now listen, if you've been in an abusive relationship, don't you listen to the word I'm about to say here. You're not supposed to re- reconcile to somebody who's going to beat you up again tomorrow, inside or outside. 
But if you have a relationship that needs reconciliation, you, you need to attempt. Make an attempt of some kind. Word of God tells us two places. Jesus said, if you've got something between you and if you've got a problem with your brother, you're supposed to go to them because you're the Christian. If you've got a problem with somebody. But then he says in another place, if you find out somebody's got a problem with you, you're still supposed to go to them. So you know what? No matter who caused the problem, if there's a problem as a Christian, I'm the one that's supposed to make the first step. Well, they're a Christian. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The fact that they don't do it does not absolve you of the responsibility to do it. Make an attempt. If it's somebody that you, 20 years ago, there was a wrong and you need to fix it, try to find the phone number this week and make a phone call. Find them on Facebook. Send them a message. Say, hey, I wanted to ask you a question. See if they reply. Make a first attempt. And then thirdly, forgive. Forgive. Period. Forgive. Not forgive, but forgive. Even if it was somebody who abused you horribly and you'll never be over the scars, you have to forgive. Not, not just so that they can get right with God one day and hopefully get to heaven. You've got to forgive or you will never be healed. You'll never be free of it. You will remember it every time Every time something happens. Anywhere around that, every time you see another relationship, look, you, you will go back in your memory and it'll be like picking at the scab that was, that was uh, made by that person. You have to forgive totally and completely, period. That's it. You have to forgive. And if you never see them again, or if you have to see them every day of the week, and that's going to make it worse on you if you haven't forgiven. People that have hurt you, you've got to forgive. Period. Not forgive, but forgive. Let's, let's close in prayer. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing till you finish praying. Amen. Got some ushers. Got some ushers. Where's the ushers going to help me clean up? Get rid of some stuff this morning. Let me give you. Let me give you two tools. Okay. We're giving you tools every week. We get this stuff cleaned out. And I know some of you are getting rid of some stuff because they're throwing all this stuff away. Here's the fir- first one. We've been doing a lot of devotions this month, starting a lot of new devotions. And we'll offer you a relationships devotion. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to tell me after service, I want the relationships devotions. Uh, daily devotions on relationships. It's not just about the sweetheart stuff, but about all of it. Just let me know or send me an email tonight or sometime today. We'll get you on that. Second thing is a sweetheart type thing. Okay. And February the 11th, I believe. It's a Friday, afternoon, Friday evening, dinner and a movie. I'm uh, going to watch the movie Fireproof. going to have dinner and watch the movie Fireproof. And I challenge all of you to have great, great relationships. If you're in a relationship, if you're married, definitely be here. If you're not married, but you're in a relationship, definitely you and your sweetheart need to be here. It uh, doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 20 years old, 70 years old, been married for 30 years or 40 years, uh, 70, you probably could be married 55, couldn't you? If you really got married real young. It doesn't matter how long you've been married. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're in a relationship, young, young or not so young, married or not married but dating, then uh, you need to be here, okay? So write that down. You're going to hear more about this in the next couple of weeks. It's just it's just about three weeks away, so it's not very far away, but it's still early enough for you to be able to uh, mark it down on your calendar, okay? So these are a couple of tools for you. You need to let us know about this one, and then you'll have an opportunity to RSVP about the dinner and movie real soon, okay? Thank you. We're dismissed. Appreciate you being here.